Welcome to Bill Roden on Sports. Taking you inside clubhouses, locker rooms, and boardrooms. Legendary sports columnist Bill Roden gets inside the heads and beneath the veneer of the men and women who play and own the games we love. Hello everyone, Podcast Land, and welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. Uh, we're back live from we, we in Houston here with uh, my co-host, the great Jamal Murphy. Jamal, we see you survive, right? Great, great to be in studio with you finally. I know. You know it's been yeah. a while since you've been in, in uh, NYC. Yeah, and guess what? I'm headed back to Las Vegas in a minute. Oh, come on, man. Huh? You're killing me. What? what wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't it, I mean, how? What, it was kind of seamless. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah, because, I mean, it's right. And it was nice. Producer Pat was there and. I was in Las Vegas looking at the mountains, and we had, you know, it was oh, good. Man. We saw a lot of, we saw a lot of really good basketball. We had a lot of good conversations. Right. And this is going to be pretty. Uh, I'm very excited about this. I'm excited about all the podcasts, of course, but I'm very excited about this. Our guest is the great uh, Ken Burns, who has done a remarkable four-hour documentary on the great Jackie Roosevelt Robinson, and. Um, you know, Ken. Ken has done a lot of tremendous work, but this uh, documentary is really extraordinary. A, because like I said, I know a lot about Jackie Robinson, but there was some. He had access to some stuff. And Rachel Robinson and the Robinson family were all in. Right. So they gave him stuff that you didn't see, love letters, and um, in fact, in Houston where we were, we did a little screening for. Uh, we saw we we showed excerpts. Excerpts, small excerpts, Ken. Very small <laughs> excerpts, barely recognizable excerpt of, of the documentary for uh, a small group of black journalists as part of our annual. You know, every every um, whenever there's a Super Bowl, whenever there's a Final Four, whenever there's any place where there are more than two black journalists, me and Brian, the late Brian Burwell and Will Bond, for the first day we had a rule: the, the black folks. If there are more than two black folks, we have to have a meeting. Mm-hmm. or dinner or something and we've been doing it for 20 something years so we had one in Houston at a really cool soulful restaurant called here it is this is it this is it and in fact we're joined in the studio for a cameo with uh, JR the great JR many of you know him as JR and <laughs> he was he was in Houston and he came by he came through uh, this is it and uh, you know screened it with us so uh, uh, JR I'm glad you kind of by welcome no absolutely thank you yep jr from jr sport brief i was out checking out the uh final four we had that blowout but thank you for the invite man i had a good time checking out the uh the doc that ken put together so i appreciate the invite what'd you think about it now now, you're you're of a are you in your 40s yet oh not you're not even (laughs) after 20s right no no i'm not 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 by unbelievable not by a lot that's right because you we were talking uh uh, during the blowout that shows how what Kind of blowouts, seriously. Yeah, we we during the there's two blowouts, the semifinal blowout. Jay and I had time to have a whole conversation yeah, we did. about social media, and we didn't miss anything. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. <laughs> we could have done a podcast. Wait, from which, there. which blowout was it? I know. Well, yeah. we started during the uh, Villanova blowout. First blowout. Okay, and okay. We, we drifted probably into the second. The one. second <laughs> blowout. I mean, after it was about 35 points, you know, we said we started talking about, but it, it was actually very, very. Um, I mean, we met. I mean, we've talked right. before. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the first time we've met, but just uh, you have such a uh, great uh, 
feel for how to take advantage of this great democratic social media right. and use it to everybody's advantage. Yeah. So that was great. It was great to have you here. Ah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What did you, um, it was great having you there and yeah. it was great. You're a millennium, as, yeah. as they call them, black right. millennium, which is different. Right. But what did you think of what did you think of what you saw of the of the documentary? It was cool to to see a lot of the different photos and videos that I've seen. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of the information that I know about Jackie Robinson, I've read. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't come. I didn't see the movie. I'm not a movie guy. I want to mm -hmm. get to the movie, but to actually see some of the excerpts mm -hmm. and the video of him speaking mm -hmm. uh, after he played. You know, see some of the stills uh, of the team as well. There were scenes that I've never seen in my life before. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it on PBS. Yeah, and you know, uh, it's also such a love story. One of the sisters who was at the um, at the our little gathering. Mm -hmm. In fact, you had introduced me to her. Right. And she 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 keyed on she keyed in on Rachel Robinson. You saw the love there. Yeah. She right. said, "Wow, what they were really true partners." Hi, Kiara. That's <laughs> <laughs> Kiara. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Kiara, how are you? Yeah, she had interesting insights too. Willis and Call Will because she was saying, yeah, "I need a mentor." Right, you know, and we all need mentors, um, but okay, call any of us, and we'll listen when you get writer's block. <laughs> anyway, listen, it was a great, uh, it, it was a, we had a really great conversation with the great Ken Burns, and we will get right into that when we come back on Bill Roden on sports. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play it. Taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports. Really, really. Uh, first of all, Jamal, how are you doing? My um, co-host, Jamal Murphy. I'm good. Thanks for remembering. Yeah, yeah almost <laughs> close. Hey, uh, anyway, we've got a really, really, really special guest and a good friend. Um, the uh, legendary, um, I don't know how you feel about that. Ken, the legendary, the legendary, uh, and really just spectacular filmmaker, documentary, a uh, documentarian, uh, Ken Burns, uh, Ken Burns, the guy. Hey, Ken, thanks so much for 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 being on the show and enduring all kinds of mishaps and and snaps to get be on the show. But thanks so much and welcome. I am so happy to be with you, Bill and Jamal. Thanks so much for having me. Very excited to have a conversation. Yeah, this is great. In fact, we're going to have another conversation right in about a month at the Schomburg. Um, you know your film, uh, the, the, your latest doc, uh, documentary on the great Jackie Robinson is uh, going to be it's actually going to air on PBS April 11th and April 12th, and we're going to have a, a conversation at the Schomburg. I believe it's April 6th. April. Yes, 6th. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, looking very much looking forward to it. Yes, we produced a two-part, four-hour, you know, in-depth biography of Jackie Robinson. And the we is not editorial or royal. It's uh, uh, my, uh, Sarah Burns and David McMahon and I have worked for the last several years to tell a complicated story of Jackie. You know, for too often, uh, we sort of have just printed the mythology and not been concerned with the nuances of the story. And we feel very excited to be able to share with the national public television audience on, 11, on April 11th and 12th is much more complex, we think much more nuanced story of Jackie and one that strips away a little bit of the one-dimensional or two-dimensional mythology in favor of a, a richer 
more complicated portrait of, of one of the most important uh, Americans. I mean, he is the most important person in the history of baseball. He may not be the best baseball player, but he's the most important person in the history of baseball. But he's also one of the most important Americans who's ever lived. And the progress uh, that he initiated for everybody else is, is uh, still inspiring, even when you take away a lot of the mythology and a lot of the tropes that, that, that have, you know, the shorthand that has stood for his history for way too long. Yeah, you know, I, um, I know, I, one of the things that would intrigue me about this was um, uh, to find out how you handle it. Because, I mean, I, I know a lot about Jackie Robinson. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot, I've read a lot, did a lot. And so I was really interested to see, is, is there going to be anything that I didn't know? And um, while there's nothing I didn't know, I think the way you, the way you did it was interesting. Um, the, you know, the first part, really dealing with, you know, Jackie Robinson, obviously the baseball player, and then really the second part, really dealing, putting them in context. It, it was as, as much about um, the times, you know, the man and his times, uh, how uh, how he related to the times, uh, how the times shaped him, how he shaped the times. I mean, I, that, that's the contextual thing I thought was really fascinating, how you handled it. Well, that. you know, I think we tried to do that throughout, but that's exactly what our intention was. You know, I think for too long, the story of Jackie Robinson has just been the story of 1947. Right. Him coming up, turning the other cheek, he's being the good Negro uh, <laughs> by being docile, and then uh, he dies. You know, and there is not a sense that he was born in Jim Crow, South Georgia, in 1919, named after the progressive Republican president, Theodore Roosevelt, who had died a few weeks before his birth, and that his family moved to Pasadena, where he suffered a different kind of covert northern racism, if you will, in Pasadena, and then, you know, was a star athlete and uh, married this extraordinary woman uh, without whom he could not have done what he'd done. And, and we've always been it's always been postulated that Branch Rickey, like Michelangelo's God, reaches down with his finger and touches uh, his son, Jackie Robinson, Jesus, who comes up and turns the other cheek. But in point of fact, there are a lot of forces in African-American press, which for decades have been pushing for integration. The left-wing press, including the communist daily worker who've been doing the things, uh, very left-leaning politicians like the Republican mayor of New York, left-wing, yes, Republican, yes, uh, Fiorella LaGuardia, who was pressuring, and as well as Branch Rickey, who had planned to bring up not just one player, but several players, and it was only because of this convergent of forces that he felt he was losing the story that he wished to control, that he accidentally ended up not only with Jackie, but with the right person, somebody who had the skills, being feisty and combative. And that's one of the things. This is a guy who always fought back, so it makes it much more interesting if you've got a competitive person who's turning the other cheek. So I've um, I- I've really enjoyed working with Sarah Burns and David McMahon producing this. We'd, we'd made a film together called The Central Park Five, Absolutely. and yeah. Rachel had been asking me for more than a dozen years to make a film, a standalone film on Jackie that would complement him he was a major figure in our 1994 big series on the history of baseball, and and we've done it and we're happy. But that that post baseball career is as important because Jackie didn't just talk to talk; he walked the walk, and he got up every day hoping to improve the lives of other people. And when you think about him in that historical context, Bill, that you said, this is a guy who comes up the first real modern symbolic progress in civil rights since the Civil War, and he's doing it when Martin Luther King is a junior at Morehouse College. He's doing it before Truman integrates the military. He's doing it before they're organized sit-ins at lunch counters. He's doing it before Brown versus Board of Education makes segregation 
illegal and unconstitutional. He's doing it before Rosa Parks, a decade before Rosa Parks is going to, uh, you know, refuse to give up her seat, even though Jackie's done that three years before at Fort Hood in Texas in 1944. So what you have in his story is the beginning of the modern chapter of the civil rights movement. As Dr. King himself said, he was a sit-inner before sit-ins, a freedom rider before freedom rides. That's well, a, that's a good story to tell. Yeah, and, and, and I mean it's it's really extraordinary. I mean, it, it, you 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 know, it's, it's very complicated. I, I'm not sure if we're going to get into all of it uh, now because it's a it's a very complicated story, and you and you you really effectively brought in that 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 sense of. Um, uh, complexity, but you know, for for a lot of people, a lot of young people, particularly, the the first exposure to Jackie Robinson was the movie Forty Two. <laughs> you know, I mean, that that, yes. that was, and and that's that's real. I mean, for right. a lot of people, that was you know, I you know, I, I wrote a book called uh, Forty Million Dollar Slaves, and at one point, uh, I was uh, one of the things that convinced me to do it was at one point I, I was talking to this class, and and the little girl raised her hand. She said, "Well, Mr. Roden, that's really nice, but who was the first white player to integrate the NBA?" You know, and and it, when you think about that, you're like, wow, but that's really real for a lot of young people. Yes, that's real. and it's children's books about the gesture that Pee Wee Reese made right. that never right. which, which never happened. Which right. still, I, I sort of liken Jackie to a statue out in a park that's collecting a lot of pigeon you-know-what. Yeah. And what it becomes the, the obligation of, of us journalists and historians, filmmakers, to try to tell a story that's more accurate to the man. And to remove a lot of that sentiment, the barnacles of sentimentality and nostalgia, and paint a much more complete picture of him. How he worked in civil rights after the uh, after his baseball career was over, uh, but how at times he found himself at odds with some of the more militant aspects of the civil rights movement, where he, like Dr. King, was being called an Uncle Tom, where he was now in the position as a special advisor uh, to uh, Governor Nelson Rockefeller, a liberal Republican, uh, to to ask people in, from Buffalo to New York City to be patient, the very thing that had driven him crazy uh, while he was coming up. So you've got a complicated human being here that we've kind of neglected. Uh, you know, uh, but I, you know, we were talking about the movie, and that's for a lot of people that was real. And yeah. I was, but you had said you had been working on the, uh, the film long before that. Let me ask you this. Uh, we, last night, we, I mean, last week, month we were talking about, um, talking with uh, a couple of document, uh, documentarians who had done the Jesse Owens story. And then we, we talked to the actor who was doing the Jesse Owens movie. And what we began talking about was sort of the difference between the fact and the fiction. And I know that you'd said in a number of interviews, one of your, your, your dreams is to do sort of the, a Hollywood version of something. But what is the difference in, 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 in your mind between doing sort of the, 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 the real-life, hard-work, nuts-and-bolts documentary on someone's life and then doing sort of the two-hour, you know, the two-hour abbreviated version yeah. of the Hollywood well, I, version? I, I mean, this is the thing. Uh, the laws of storytelling are the same, whether you're Steven Spielberg or me. Uh, you got to obey the same laws of storytelling. But somehow, I think, in Hollywood, and I didn't hate 42. I thought it just... <laughs> only cover that narrow slice of life. And right. so I just think the problem is the tendency is to always think we've got to make it more dramatic. Right. But I remember Shelby Foote, when I was working on the Civil War series, he said, just remember that God is the greatest dramatist, that you just can't make this stuff up. <laughs> right. And I find that eminently true. I find the real story of Jackie Robinson, not the promotion of the old stories of Pee Wee Reese thro throwing his hand around him, uh, much more interesting. And today, because, you know, William Faulkner said history is not was, 
but is. Mm. Jackie Robinson's story is incredibly instructive. I mean, this is dealing with themes that we're talking about now. This is driving while black. This is stop and frisk. This is integrated swimming pools. This is Confederate flag. This is Black Lives Matter. Uh, This is burned churches. All of that stuff is happening now that happened with Jackie and perhaps we are the fuel rods of our contemporary passions are too unstable for us to have civil discourse with one another about the present moment. But you can take someone like Jackie Robinson, whose past moment might at least initially seem safely in the past and realize that he can help us negotiate the rocky shoals of our contemporary moment. And that's the only reason why you do history. Right. You know, history history is is about things that happen, but it's also about where we are now. I mean, uh, history is the set of questions we in the present ask of the past, and so it's informed by our own anxieties about where we are and the things we care about. So when you deal with Jackie Robinson, you're dealing with Michael Brown, you're dealing right. with Eric Gardner, mm-hmm. you're dealing with, you know, Clementa Pinckney and, and the other victims at Mother Emanuel. You're dealing with uh, all of the things we're dealing You're dealing with Donald Trump. Trump and his wink-wink dog whistle of uh, taking over a day to uh, repudiate David Duke and uh, and uh, white supremacy in the Ku Klux Klan. He was just a way of signaling to his base where he was really at. And just like Ronald Reagan began his career, his, his campaign in 1980 in Philadelphia, Mississippi, saying, I'm for states' rights. He just mm. basically planted his flag and said, just so you know who I am. Right. And I'm not sure why the Republican establishment is shocked, shocked at this. Uh, uh, you know, Trump takeover when, in fact, versions of this has been going on since Jackie Robinson was trying to find a way to support Richard Nixon and later Nelson Rockefeller for president. But the same old Southern strategy uh, was, uh, you know, kicking dust in his face. Well, you know, that's, oh, go ahead, well yeah, I'm part of that, that young, you know, slightly younger generation. And I definitely learned a lot uh, from the documentary. I'm wondering for the younger generation of millennials, whatever you want to call them, how do you think Jackie Robinson's legacy or story resonates or should resonate? And does he well, does he matter as much? How you know? What, oh, how should we use him? Of course he matters. He's the most important person in the history of the greatest game that's ever been invented. And they they've grown up reading those storybooks. And uh, I think that be refreshed by having to no longer carry the more sentimental, superficial version, but a much more complex one, which is what they seek in other things. I right. mean. You know, there's only one sport in which uh, this, the same number is retired uh, in every single stadium. All 30 major league stadiums have retired the number 42. When Mariano Rivera, the Hall of Fame uh, closer for the New York Yankees, retired, he had consciously chosen 42 because of Jackie's uh, example. There's a millennial for you. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, that's the last player to wear it, except on every April 15th when every player in the league wears it. Now, you remember back in 1993, there was a Jewish family in Billings, Montana, and they were displaying a man- Nora around the time of Hanukkah, mm-hmm. and uh, somebody threw a some idiot, some knucklehead threw a rock through their uh, you know window, their picture window. The Billings newspaper printed a full-page replica of a menorah, and thousands of Christians put that menorah in their window. Mm -hmm. This is what Mm -hmm. Jackie Robinson represents to us today, the following the course of the better angels of our nature. And there's not a millennial today 
that isn't incredibly anxious about what they're seeing in their body politic as people begin to respond to the most retrograde tendencies, to be able to overtly now, no more dog whistles, the frequency is in human range uh, about racism and uh, politi- you know, getting rid of political correctness and, and making this, you know, there were, there were a series of uh, women wearing T-shirts at the Trump rally a couple of days ago, not saying make America great again, but make America white again. Right, right, right. Uh, we've got some work to do, and those millennials, believe it or not, we're just old fogies. We're going to talk about it and until uh, the cows come home. But it's those millennials who are going to roll up their sleeves and have to clean up the mess that has been made by this current retrograde situation. Hey, how do you? I mean, you, you know, you 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 identify as quote unquote white. Uh, why is this stuff so? And I think a lot of times, you know, my white brothers and sisters uh, don't understand why all this stuff is important to them. I mean, well, clearly, you know, what, you know they, you know they know why it's important to me, but why is it important? I think it's really, and that's an important message to get through. No, you know what? This is important to you, too. Oh, of course it is, and it ought to be important to every American. Look, right. we put African-American history in February, which is our coldest and shortest <laughs> and darkest month, as if it's some politically correct addendum to our national narrative. But if you're a filmmaker like I am, who've spent the last 40 years dealing with American history, you come to understand very quickly that you can't escape race. It's there. We were founded under the catechism of the, of the second greatest sentence after I love you in the English language, which begins, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. But oops, the guy who wrote that sentence owned more than uh, 100 human beings and didn't see the hypocrisy or the contradiction, and more importantly, didn't see fit in his lifetime to free any one of us, and set in motion both figuratively and literally an American narrative that is constantly dealing with with race. It's always there. I don't go looking for it. It's just there. When you tell the stories of America, it's there. I think of the almost 30 films that I've made, probably three of them, Frank Lloyd Wright and an early uh, cross-country automobile trip and, and maybe the Dust Bowl, don't deal overtly with, uh, with race. But it's always there, whether it's jazz or the Civil War or baseball, whether it's Jack Johnson or Jackie Robinson, which are obvious, uh, or, or whether it's World War II or even the national parks or prohibition. It's all part of, of the story. And if you don't integrate that, no pun intended. If you don't integrate it, then you're not telling a full American history. You're just telling a, a, a top-down version of great men and usually great white men, and you're doing a disservice not only to African Americans, but to Native Americans and brown Americans and yellow Americans and women and labor and gay and all of that stuff. And if you're not telling a complete picture, then you're just one of the blind men describing only part of the elephant. And I'm interested in telling, uh, just trying to describe the whole elephant. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Taking you inside the games we love. This is Bill Roden on Sports. My guest is the uh, tremendous filmmaker and documentarian and human being, uh, Ken Burns. Uh, you know, Ken, um, you, you, you grew up in Brooklyn. Uh, I think you were born. No, no, I, w- I was born in Brooklyn. I grew up in Delaware and Michigan. Right. So, you, well, you were born in Brooklyn. I guess my question was, you were, you were, you were born in Brooklyn. How much, when did you begin to know, uh, I, I don't know when you left Brooklyn, but how much did you know about, I mean, when did you sort of get to the gospel of uh, Jackie Robinson? Was it parents, or when did you... Yeah, my parents told me. I My mother had worked in Brooklyn. My parents lived on the Upper West Side for a little bit after I was born, so I came home to uh, Manhattan uh, and then left. 
but my parents, you know, had always told me I'd been born in Brooklyn, so I had an identification with the Dodgers, and I, I got a little bit older, and I learned the story of Jackie Robinson and, and the first, you know, real true progress in civil rights since the Civil War. I'm not trying to deny the work of Booker T. Washington or W.B. E. Du Bois or even Marcus Garvey or A. Philip Randolph and Mary McLeod Bethune or uh, even Jack Johnson, the subject of a film I've made. He wasn't interested in civil rights, just in his own life, which is the Constitution tells him he can do that and Joe, Joe Lewis and Jesse Owens but but I, I think we have to recognize that that the other sports were you know suspect at best and um, baseball was the national pastime and for Jackie to walk through that door was an incredible thing so he's always been a hero and then when I had decided following the Civil War to do a kind of sequel of the Civil War by following baseball uh, people thought I was crazy. I said, no, 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 you don't always have to follow presidential administrations punctuated by wars. Baseball is going to tell you about a, a lot about immigration and assimilation. It's going to tell you a lot about uh, exclusion of women, about popular culture and advertising, how myths are made and how things really are. Uh, and it's also going to tell you about race. Uh, and so when you have the, you know, the expulsion of Moses Fleetwood Walker and Bud Fowler by Cap Anson and his like with the so-called Gentleman's Agreement in the 1880s and uh, the formation of a separate but athletically equal Negro Leagues, uh, and then finally the arrival of Jackie, you've got one hell of a, not a counter-narrative, but a parallel narrative that has to be included in any uh, sort of right-thinking person's uh, uh, understanding of American history. Mm. We, we, we had a conversation um, a couple months ago about... Um you and John McCain and the the initiative to try to get uh, Jack Johnson pardoned. And you said something. You said a number of interesting things. But one of the things you said, uh, you said that, uh, this is a quote. I think it's really important for us as Americans, particularly for Americans who invest so much of our energies in promoting our own exceptionalism, to clean up the messes we've made in the past. And why? I guess the question because why are we in the United States so reluctant? to deal with racism, whether it's through baseball, whether it's through... Well, well you know, it's, it, I tell you, you know, we're all addicted to Abraham Lincoln and his idea of the better angels of our nature. Mm -hmm. And we assume that's true for everybody. You think about the slaver who quit and wrote Amazing Grace. Mm -hmm. uh, we assume that the response to the guilt, the old guilt, as Robert Penn Warren used to call them, of slavery and the Civil War, uh, are met with atonement and, and uh, attempt to beg for forgiveness. But in fact, for many of us, our unreconstructed brethren, uh, it's that, that kind of guilt is met with anger and animosity and outright hostility and violence. And so after the Civil War, uh, in some ways, African-Americans were even more vulnerable than in slavery because Jim Crow, there wasn't a law in the land that protected them. At least slavery, they were property. And you'd think most right-thinking slave owners weren't going to do anything to harm their property as abhorrent as slavery is. But after that, you know, if you're living amongst people who can't accept the equality notion, it's going to manifest itself in violence. And so we've got to, if we're going to advertise ourselves to the world and to ourselves, as we always do, as the best country on earth, then we ought to damn well be the best country on earth, which means we got to figure out how to come to terms with these things. And I've been having a national conversation for the last few months at, at various locations, Charleston and Pasadena and, and uh, Austin and Washington, D.C. and uh, Brooklyn uh, with uh, Professor Henry Louis Gates, 
about race and, and saying, yeah, okay, the tragedy in, in, in Charleston was horrible. Okay, they removed the Confederate flag. Symbols are important. But let's not just stop there. Let's just see if we can have a continued and consistent and thoughtful, constructive conversation about race that isn't trying to take away anybody's heritage, mm-hmm. but is going to try to take away their resistance to civil rights and is going to not restrict but rather expand the history. So starting in Charleston, we're 40, perhaps 48 percent of all the Africans stolen from Africa who made it to this country uh, came through in the Gadsden Wars. This is like their Ellis Island without a welcome Statue of Liberty. We wanted to start there to try to begin to heal in a deeper way the wounds of Charleston, but also to see if you can advance a conversation about race. Our film on Jackie Robinson, that is to say Sarah Burns and David McMahon, and my film on Jackie Robinson, plus some work that Skip is doing about 50 years out from Dr. King, we felt was a way to spark that conversation, and he and I have taken it on the road and, and gone all the places I've said to see if we can do that. I mean, if we don't do that, then all we're going to do is be narcissistic. You know, all we're going to do is saying, hey, we're the greatest and not back it up with actual uh, deeds. I mean, words are words. Deeds are deeds. Where, where do you think we are right now? You know, you can make the parallel between, you know, life in general and sports. Yeah, well, uh, I know, think I yeah, I think I think we're you know we're in a kind of a retrograde moment, as I said. We start, we're taking a couple steps backwards, but you know I had the great good fortune. We had the great good fortune to interview the president, first lady, to talk about the first African American to become a baseball player. It was very interesting to talk about the first African American and his wife to become a uh, a president of the United States. That, that and while was... these are two couples, you know, uh, sort of hurtling through different spaces in time, there's a couple of moments of harmonic convergence when you begin to realize in the most ordinary ways, in the most special ways, in, in a both funny and moving ways, uh, you know, a husband and a wife relating to each other. You know, Jackie couldn't have done it without Rachel, and I don't think uh, the president could have done it without Michelle. And to have all four of them, if you will, in our film uh, was, I think, an amazing reinforcement of how much not only uh, do, you know, that, that the more things change, the more they stay the same, they remind us of how much work we still have to do, because as the president acknowledges, you know, sometimes when you're in a position in which people are questioning whether you even deserve to be there, it's nice to go home, just as Jackie had, it's nice to go home and find somebody, as the president said, who loves you and has your back, which is exactly what Rachel had, which clearly is exactly what Michelle has, and that's that's good news, and that means there's, we, you know, we need Jackie more than ever. We need his example. We need his heroism. We need the aspect of him that's inspirational, and we can take sustenance from it. And, you know, history is a few steps forward and a couple back. And, and I think we're, we're feeling right now a sense of coming back. Let's let Jackie help us go forward. He's willing to, to put us on his shoulders, as he did his entire race back in 1947. Yeah, that was a pretty good get, Ken. When I saw the president yeah. pop out. Oh, go ahead, Ken. <laughs> it was a good interview. He he was he was uh, he gave us a lot of time and and she did too. And it was a great honor for us to have the opportunity to speak to the president, along with Harry Belafonte, along with great historians uh, like Gerald Early and John Thorne and Jonathan Eig and Yehuro Williams and and uh, and and others, uh, other Brooklyn Dodger teammates like Don Newcomb and. Uh, and uh, Carl Erskine and uh, Ralph Branca and also his surviving son David and his daughter uh, 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 Sharon in addition to the magnificent 93-year-old Rachel Robinson who looks 70 wow, and so has so. all her marbles and some of mine and I want them back. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you speak to uh, Arnold, Arnold Rappersan? Uh, yeah, we talked to him as, uh, you know, uh, we drew on his 
extraordinarily uh, detailed research and spoke to him on a number of occasions. You know, some people get on camera, some people, you know, we refer to, you know, we certainly have read all of your columns that have related to Jackie over the many years. Uh, you know, we, we, we worked on this for several years and we've unco- uncovered new and never be seen, before seen footage of him. Uh, for example, uh, nobody had ha- ever seen of him walking with his children at the uh, March on Washington in August of 68, yeah, yeah. Uh, three, and, and we found that. We got a lot of photographs that people hadn't seen before. The letters were um, great. So we, we've got, we got a lot of stuff that, that really fleshes out this portrait of Jackie. Yeah, it was really great. Um, just, just sort of wrapping, what, what, um, what was your athletic career like? I mean, were you a baseball player growing up? You said you were growing yeah, I, up. Yeah, I, I played baseball. That was it. I mean, I did a little uh, hurdles, believe it or not. I'm a small, <laughs> short guy, but I did hurdles for a while. But the thing I liked most was baseball, and I played second base. And I played uh, catcher uh, because, you know, the biggest play in uh, Little League Baseball was the overthrow at first base. And I was small enough and fast enough I could get down to first base and back up that overthrow. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been a really spectacular um, uh, uh, time I had growing up. And baseball was a great and early love. My mom was dying of cancer. And so a lot of people's connection to baseball is with their parents. Uh, baseball was my escape from mm you know, the, the sort of the anxieties and the tragedies that were overtaking my family. And so it's a little bit different, but I've, I've now been blessed with four daughters, all of whom are big baseball fans, and, and we go to games, and I now have grandchildren, and I had the mm. great pleasure of taking my youngest, uh, my grandson, uh, uh, to a, uh, a baseball game uh, this summer, this past summer. Oh, that's great. Yeah, actually, I was looking at that. We lost our mothers when I was looking at your biography about the same same time, twelve years old, right? When you're yeah, I was yeah, I was just about to. I was a couple months short of my twelfth birthday when my mom, who'd been sick my entire life, I, there was never a moment when she wasn't sick. So there wasn't, in some way, a childhood except when I got out of there and uh, and 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 uh, was able to play baseball and could at least for a moment forget my troubles, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking about that. That that's another conversation about the impact that's got on your. That that the, the death of your mother yeah. when you're 12 has on your life. Hey, yeah. hey, um, just just two things while I let you let you go. Yeah. You're, you're going to be delivering the um, uh, the uh, Jefferson lecture yeah. in the humanities on May 9th, which would be a very fascinating lecture. Without telling me, you know, uh, you know, telling uh, telling any house secrets, this should be a very compelling talk because if there's any ever a time when, like you said, racism is sort of like that constant hum. That's, yeah. That sometimes you either hear it or you don't. Particularly if you're black, you hear yeah. it all the time. But, all the time, but, every single day. You betcha. But so what? What are we gonna? What, what generally when you make this this talk, without telling line for line what you're gonna say? But generally, what's sort of the thing? What what's what are you trying to pull together on this? What what do people? Well, need I, to I see think that's it, Bill. Like? I don't yet know. I haven't read it, uh, written it, but I've 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 been thinking about it for months since uh, the great honor was bestowed on me, and obviously I'm going to talk about that background noise and try to put it in the foreground, as well as other themes that I think will be of interest, and the way in which I think the humanities can help us negotiate the most complicated of issues. You know, uh, humanities has been made a kind of scapegoat, as if it's anti-religion. It's not. It studies it, makes comparisons, and it can help uh, soothe the most savage among our religious brethren when they think that their way is the only way. Uh, and, and, and I've appreciated the humanity's ability to triangulate a lot of the difficulties in our life. And, and I think uh, seeing, as I have in many of my films, our work through the lens of the humanities and American history, uh, race is a, 
is a central sub-theme of, of American life. So you can be sure I'll be talking about that. Yeah. And, and the, the you, last time we talked, we were talking about trying to get that pardon, uh, trying to get uh, the president to uh, give yeah, the pardon. Yesterday I was at the Justice Department, and I, I addressed most of all of the U.S. attorneys who had gathered at the DOJ uh, yesterday and, and addressed them and showed them clips from Jack Johnson. And I said, come on, I've been waiting now for, for 11 years with Senator McCain. Let's see if we can get some action. And I've gotten four or five emails from folks who were there saying, you know, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, we're working on this. Uh, we're we, we're going we're gonna to pick it up again. So uh, let's keep our fingers crossed uh, and, and hope for the very, very best. And, uh, and finally, do you see a movie on Donald Trump in your future? <laughs> you know, uh, I I am going to safely dodge that by saying I actually I, I usually wait uh, uh, 15, fifteen or twenty years, twenty even twenty five or thirty years after a subject. So maybe I'll, I'll be doing that, God willing, in in twenty thirty five or forty. But right now. Uh, I'll let him be the subject of journalists, and uh, God help you all. And I can wait. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, Ken, my guest has been the great Ken Burns. Hey, Ken, thank you so much. Great, 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 great uh, uh, job on Jackie Brown, as, 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 as usual. And I'm looking forward to uh, you know having this conversation in a, a, a few weeks at the Schomburg. Yeah, me too. And, and I'll tell Sarah Burns and David McMahon how much you like the film. And Jamal, thanks so much. I really appreciate the chance to chat with you this afternoon. Take right, care. Thank you. Right, take care. The great Ken Burns. Remember the documentary. It's a two-part, four-hour documentary. It airs on PBS April 11th and April 12th. And trust me, you're going to see a lot of things. If you knew... If you thought you knew Jackie Robinson, uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff in there that you that you uh, didn't know. So anyway, uh, thanks again to the great Ken Burns. Thanks to the great Jamal Murphy and Jr. Thank you for uh, stopping by. Deeply appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.